You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Anger, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org. Well, good morning. Thank you so much for coming out this morning to Grace Community Church. Uh, my name is Brad Talley. I'm the teaching elder here at Grace and... Um, I, as Bert said, I'm glad you uh, braved the drifts. We have a team that determines whether or not we're going to have services, and there was really never much doubt this morning, but uh, guys that live close, we've got an elder, a deacon, a staff person, the three that are making that decision, and Scott Colbert is one of those, and he said, hey, wait, making my way through the drifts, and he used some of those Italy pictures from <laughs> recently, and I'm like, whoa! I just saw the road picture first, and I'm like, wow, is it, you're kidding me. Uh, and then I saw the next one, and there's a snow plow, and snow on both sides, you know, way high. So anyway, I like snow days. I can wear jeans and get away with it, so that's part of the reason. I like snow days, but, you know, it's an intimate, more of an intimate setting. And, and today I'm changing up the message a little bit from uh, our series on evangelism, on outreach, I was just thinking as Bert was reading the questions uh, for membership, it's, it's the gospel. These questions are essentially first and foremost about the gospel and then the gospel being lived out. Do you believe and confess that you were a sinful person by nature and by choice, unqualified to be acceptable to your holy creator, and that you have no hope of salvation apart from his grace and mercy? Look, that's a... That's a tough question to be standing up here and be asked, facing out even though everybody agrees. But it is necessary for the gospel. Yes, I am a sinful person. I confess that. Do you believe and confess that Jesus Christ is God the Son and that he is the only Savior of sinners? <clears throat> and, that, and it's our only hope. Have you received God's free offer of mercy, forgiveness, <clears throat> acceptance, and eternal life? And are you trusting in Christ alone for your salvation as he is offered to you in the gospel? And yes, on all of those questions is saying an enormous, a, 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 a enormous amount about what you believe. And it's not what most people believe. Um, this morning, and by the way, I, I did want to say this. It, you know, it's almost, it's cute to us when <clears throat> babies are coming up front and they're kind of crying during the ceremony. It's a lot worse when the adults themselves are crying. And so I'm <laughs> glad we didn't have any of that. At least I didn't sense that there was any of that today. Um, but we are delighted to have these guys who have been here for a while on board officially. Um, this morning in Psalm 119, we're going to talk about the trials and difficulties of life. I thought so interesting to make a shift at the last minute. And not only the, the, the sense of the, the idea of Lighthouse Ministries being featured, but Ben Grumbach's uh, beautiful words about that ministry just tie right in to what we're talking about this morning. And I also am thinking about maybe, maybe you remember, maybe you don't, about... Oh, it was a year and a half ago, perhaps, uh, looking at John chapter 1, where in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And how we thought about 
how that Jesus, some scholars say, is like the second Lagos. He is, he is the word revealed to us. And especially when you go into Psalm 119, anytime you talk about God's word or his statutes or his commandments, just substitute the word Jesus. And that uh, is indicative of God's ministry to us. And I thought about this last week after talking so much about the shack um, and, and, and the difficulty that I have with God the Father being represented by a human being. Really, and, and as I was mentioning last week, who wouldn't want that kind of loving embrace from the Heavenly Father? We have that, but we have it in Jesus. He is the one that we see. He is the one that is going to embrace us if there is any embracing. And we're going to have the warmth and the, and the love of His embrace all the time. So as we think about Psalm 119 and the Word of God, think about Jesus, God's gift to us. Uh, look, when I was a, a child, and I, I'm going to guess that a lot of you had the same thing. We used to say a prayer at mealtime. God is great. God is good. Let us thank Him for His food. And then there was more. I, I'm not exactly sure about something like, by His hands we are fed. Thank you, Lord, for daily bread. What's that? Thank you, Lord, for daily bread. That's it. Okay. Um, and so... Look, a lot of us use that little prayer. And, and like so many things that we recite, they're very good, but they lose their meaning. You just sort of get into a ritual if you're not careful, which is why, look, whenever we quote creeds and, 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 and statements here, we do our best to not allow them to be routine, but to remember the emphasis and the, and the importance of what's behind it. But just think about those, that first line. God is great. God is good. Do you believe that? It may be harder to accept than you think at first blush. God is sovereign. and we're, He's over all things. And we're okay with that. Until we have a crisis of conscience and we think about how good we have it and how bad other people have it that don't have the resources we do or until a child that we know is abused or we are humiliated to work and no one comes to our defense or someone in the family gets sick really sick one of the ways that some people deal with the inconsistencies and vicissitudes of life is to say that God is a good God, but He is not as powerful. He's not powerful enough that He can overcome the evil. It's kind of like, look, don't, don't blame this on God. Don't you blame this on God. That's one of the ways that we deal with it. A thoughtful person, though, is rarely able to stay in that place for long. You're just going to have to wrestle with the idea that God is powerful enough and sovereign that He is over all things. He's never responsible for evil. But at any moment, He could avert the evil from us, and He doesn't. So we have to deal with that. We have to wrestle with that. So even though our problems are overwhelming, we profess that God is both great and good. Our problems are not his fault. 
But then again, when you think about it, he's in charge of all things. And that can be difficult to reconcile in our thinking. It's not that we're lying when we say that God is good even in the face of all the things that are going on. But, but it's just that our faith can waver at times. And, 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 and we're not quite as convinced as we sound. But then again, that's what faith is, is it not? Look, if everything, if God answered every prayer just exactly like you wanted it to be answered... Just think about what a mess the world would be in, first of all. But then secondly, uh, where's the faith in that? All i got to do is ask. It's like Santa Claus. You know, just whatever you want, you'll get. In spite of all of our wrestling, God is great. God is good. And we know it. We just need to be reminded sometimes. And that's what God's Word is going to do this morning. Remind us that God is good all the time. You know the little phrase, God is good all the time, all the time God is good. That's, that's true and I love it. I think it may, after you've been through enough trials, it may be more helpful to just think this way. God is sovereign and God is good. It's hard, but when we enter that place by faith, so much opens up in our hearts and minds. Our text today is Psalm 119, verses 65 to 72. We're going to read the text first as it is written in the English Standard Version. And then we're going to look at this structure, uh, the structure of this magnificent psalm, and consider a more literal translation of the psalm that will show God's goodness a little bit better than our English translations do. Wonderful though they are. So, Psalm 119, verses 65, 72. Would you please stand as the word of God is read? You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to Jesus, according to your word. Teach me Good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in Jesus, in your commandments. You get the idea. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep to your word. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. The insolent smear me with lies, but with my whole heart, I keep your precepts. Their heart is unfeeling, like fat, but I delight in your law. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Again, remember in our day, when we just say things just to say them. The law of your mouth is better to me. Than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Father. We read these words and we are relatively secure. Although many of us live from paycheck to paycheck. And we have no idea when it will change. If we were in abject poverty, if we were the richest person in the world, 
when you have drawn our hearts to yourself, we can say that the law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. May your word come alive. And may Jesus be exalted, even as we read from the Old Testament. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thank you and be seated. Well, I'm sure you already know that God's Psalm 119 is all about God's Word. All but three verses mention God's Word in some form or another. Please don't be looking to see which three those are during the message. You can, that's a good uh, Sunday afternoon activity. There are 22 sections in the book of, or in the chapter of Psalm 119. One each for each of the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. Um, there are eight verses in each section, and each verse begins with the letter of that section. Now think about this. Scripture is structured magnificently. For you mathematicians and scientists and engineers, you will appreciate this more than the rest of us, maybe. But the way God's Word is structured there's a great deal of intentionality and there's often more for us to know about than just the words themselves by the way that God structures His Word. It's like the psalmist is extolling the wonders of God from A to Z, we would say. Our section today contains verses beginning with the Hebrew letter Tate. Teth, it's spelled T-E-T-H, but it's pronounced Tate. And five of the, the verses begin with the Hebrew word Tov which means good. Uh, to help you see that better, let's look at a, a little more li literal translation of the psalm. It's a bit awkward, but it will help you to see the emphasis that God puts in this particular section of Psalm 119. Starting with verse 65. Good you did, O Lord, your servant, to your servant according to your word. Good discernment and knowledge Teach me, because I believe in your commands. By the way, in Hebrew and Greek both, the first word in a sentence is there for emphasis. There's, a, there's often a, a great deal of, uh, of emphasis on that particular first word. Before I was afflicted, as I didn't say before, which is not the focus of that verse. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I obey your word. Good you are, and you do only good. Teach me your decrees. Though the arrogant have smeared me with lies, I with all my heart watch your precepts. Callous and unfeeling are their hearts. I delight in your instruction. Good for me it was that I was afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. That's an important verse. Verse 71. Good for me it was that I was afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. Good for me the instruction of your mouth more than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. Now, if we were going to name this translation, we might name it the Yoda translation. It sounds like it. Good for me it was that I was afflicted. Um, the psalmist is convinced that God is good. And he communicates his goodness through his word. 
Now think about this. The psalmist is convinced that God is good and he communicates his goodness through his word. Now that's a hard sell when somebody is saying, how can a good God allow this to happen? But it's true. And remember, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Son, the Father. The only begotten of the Father in Jesus Christ. God's word is the primary way that we know him. So these are not random thoughts about God's goodness in Psalm 119. There's a flow, a purpose to what is being said. And I'm sure you see the theme in this text. And that is that God is good all the time. And the psalmist is talking about God's purpose in trials in our lives. So we're going to use this literal translation and go back and, and, and look at this psalm. We'll take it step by step just as it, is writ, as it is written beginning in verse 65. Good you did, O Lord, to your servant according to your word. Look. If all we did was read this one verse today, and we accept this as a general principle, if we read this and believe it, then that's, a, that's enough. But the writer knew that he was going to write about trials when he wrote this. He was going somewhere, and this is the foundation that was being laid. God's Word is designed for our benefit. Would you agree with that? God's word is designed for our benefit. So let me ask you, does the amount of time that you spend in the word reflect the, 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 the authenticity of your answer? Does it reflect how, how honest you're being about your answer? Yes, God's word is designed for our benefit. And yet, we just don't find a way to get into God's word like we know we ought to. Many times because we're trying to manage our problems. Not that there's anything wrong with that. God has given us a lot of resources and we should. We should be doing our best. But sometimes he's just drawing us to himself. <clears throat> Certainly the writer in verse 65 is communicating. <laughs> our hearts ought to drive us to the word which in, in turn brings God to us. Anything that causes us to go deeper into the word is a good thing. Verse 66, good discernment and knowledge. Teach me because I believe in your commands. Now this is interesting. We can expect discernment and knowledge when we come to the word as long as we believe that this is from God. We can't come with a double mind, a double heart. We have to come with a spirit of trust to the Lord. If you have a poor view of Scripture when you come to the Bible, you're going to find what you want to find, but not necessarily what God wants you to see. Forcing the Word to say what you want it to say may be comforting in the moment. But when we're facing trials, we need to hear from God. 
We need his word to inform our emotions, our decisions, our interactions with other people. If you believe that God will meet you in his word, then he will teach you what you need to know in your time of pain. Verse 67. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. Has this ever been true in your life? That you were just in a, in a way that you know was not good for you? You had lost your focus, but affliction in your life, trials in your life brought you back to the Lord. Uh, it's important to know what the psalmist was saying uh, here. And, and we're going to start by establishing what he was not saying. He was not saying, look, before God punished me, I lived like a pagan. But then he punished me, and now my act is back together, and I'm walking with the Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm obeying his word. Maybe a fuller explanation of this literal translation would be this. Before a great trial came into my life, I had a tendency to rely on my own judgment. And it worked out pretty well for me most of the time. I call the shots. I exercise discernment as far as it's going to get one in this life. Then something came my way that was way, way beyond what I was capable of figuring out for myself. And I was driven to the word. And now I understand that God is powerful. He is great, but he's also good. And that all things are working together for me as I trust in him. Now I obey God's word, following it as far as I am able. Because I recognize that his wisdom far exceeds my own. That's what he's saying in verse 67. The benefits, close contact with and observance of God's commands in his word led the writer to a conclusion about God. Verse 68. Good you are. And you do only good. Teach me your decrees. Think about the thing in the last month or two. That's been the most difficult thing that you've had to deal with. No matter what it is. Whether it's a physical issue. A relational issue. A, 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 a loss that many of you have had. You, we've had many. Listen. Three this past week. Three of our, our members lost loved ones. And that just adds on to, to several uh, who have gone before. It's been a hard time. And all that the Lees have gone through. Whatever it is that's been difficult for you, and, and, and probably some of you are thinking rightly, if you only knew what I'm facing, you would think of that as the worst of all, and maybe so. But you know what God's word is to us, to all of us? Good you are, and you do only good. Teach me your decrees. You get to this place because God draws you to this place. And you respond to the Spirit's gentle call to trust Him no matter what. But here's the thing. Time in His Word expedites the process for us. 
The longer we stay away from God's word, the longer it takes for us to see his goodness and his plan for us in his pain. But look at the last part of verse 68. Teach me your decrees. This is not a day when we are inclined to look far from ourselves when we suffer. We tend to look inwardly. We feel sorry for ourselves. We look and say, okay, I've got to buck up and, and just make this right. I've got to do the right thing. Be a man. And, and all, of that's, all of that's, well, not the feeling sorry for yourself, but all, it's good when you say, okay, I'm going to set my face against the wind. But if you do it in the flesh, you're just missing the whole thing that God was trying to do. Don't use all kinds of self-help talk to help you feel better about yourself and about your circumstances. What better spirit to have though than to look to help from God and His Word. Why? Because He's good and He does only good. Let's look at verses 69 and 70 together as one verse. Though the arrogant have smeared me with lies, I with all my heart watch your precepts. Callous and unfeeling are their hearts. I delight in your instruction. When you acknowledge that people are telling lies about you and that they're just cold and, and care less about integrity or compassion, there's none of that anywhere, is your first response, I delight in your instruction. <laughs> Not typically. You know, well, we'll see about that. We don't know who wrote Psalm 119. I think it was Ezra. Either Ezra or David, most likely. It really fits Ezra, Ezra's personality, his character. If it was Ezra, look at either one of them. It's the same, same deal. Both of them had a lot of opposition against their efforts to serve the Lord. People came at them, criticizing them, just horrible things that were said about them. Um, enemies of Israel would have said horrible things about Ezra and about David as well, and, and both of them fought, found opposition from within the covenant people of God as well. And you would expect that to discourage them, and I'm sure it did for a time. But they always found hope in the Lord. Once David or Ezra, either one, turned to God's word, they did so with all of their hearts and they found joy in the place you would least expect it. God's word is not a straitjacket designed to break our spirits and dampen our enthusiasm for life. See, it's a whole perspective. When, when stuff comes... You know, I, I hear people all the time say, well, I guess God's trying to teach me something and it's usually bad, it's something bad about me. What he's trying to do is to bring us to a place of this beautiful trust in him as he has revealed himself to us in his word. It is a delight to those who trust God. It's a source of light and life and joy. Now in verse 21, the writer says, With a grateful heart what he has learned. Good for me it was 
that I was afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. Look, if we really believe that God knows better than we do, then we have to accept that sometimes the only way to fully internalize that truth is to walk through deep waters. It's often the case that we have to get on the backside of trials before we can acknowledge God's goodness in our circumstances. People say sometimes when I was flat on my back, I looked to the Lord. Probably it's more often the case that after I got up from being flat on my back, I could look back and see God's hand and the ways that He was drawing me to Himself. Whatever. It, praise the Lord. But suppose you had a trial recently and you didn't do very well in your response and you just wish you had done better. You know, it's like, oh, I wish I had not said that or I wish I had just trusted God. Now's your opportunity. And you'll probably be in the same place that the psalmist was. Good for me that I was afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. When we put our trust in God's word and ultimately in God, we begin to adopt a different value system than the one that the world holds. Our whole perspective changes. And then in verse 72, the conclusion of this section, good for me, the instruction of your mouth. More than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. So I want us to take a moment um, and look, we're here. We're going to be out early today. Don't get used to this, okay? I'll make up for it in two weeks when I preach from John chapter 7. Um, but let's take just a few moments and consider what God might be saying to each one of us. You consider how God is speaking to you through his word. We're going to go back. You can take this time to just read through the psalm. Read through it prayerfully as a prayer. Or, or just with your eyes open or with your head bowed. Whatever you want to do. Just talk to the Lord and ask Him to bring this heart of trust in your life. So take a few moments. Well, because we don't want to uh, give the uh, children's workers a heart attack when we start coming back there. Let's take just a moment... How has the Lord spoken to your heart through his word today? Stand up and speak loudly enough for all of us to hear. Would you like to just share what in this text encouraged you, convicted you, how it spoke to your heart this morning? Brad, let me say this. The Lord has been showing me this lately. Two years ago, I took the shingle shot and... This week, the Lord blessed me with a good case of shingles. <laughs> From here all the way down here. I went to the doctor, and she gave me 90 pain pills, and she said, you'll be back in 30 days with some more. I'm not taking one uh, pain pill yet. And when somebody asked me, I, I don't even think I got shingles. You can just see them all around here. So God is good. He gives you something, but he helps you through them, and I'm not paying one because the goodness of God, and I'm grateful for that. God is good in that way, isn't he? Tim Timothy, or Paul, talked about Epaphroditus in Philippians. 
and said God was merciful in sparing him when I thought that he... God would have been merciful had he, had he taken Epaphroditus. God would have been merciful and good if he had allowed the pain. But thank the Lord he has delivered you from that pain. I guess what struck me at, when we were talking about verse 68, uh, the, the yoga version, I picked up on that as well at the beginning, but uh, the, the version, good you are, you do only good. Um, I think sometimes like in this past week, well, all these, uh, Lisa, Debbie, and Deborah Webb could all relate uh, this past week, but also uh, Caleb Hayes' family who who lost an 18-year-old son, you know, after they prayed for him fervently with people all across the world, you know, for a month. And um, I think, you know, we as believers, we can't, even as strong believers, we can't always truly make sense in our minds of what is God's plan in this, and we want to know, you know, like if something bad's got to happen, we want to have a reason, and we want to know what benefit is it, you know, to the world. We want to make sense of it, and it doesn't always make sense, but what struck me with verse 68 was just goodness. We're saying that that is God's essence. That is God's character. That is who he is. Like, he cannot be anything different from that. So when we look at God and then we look at something that happens, I think sometimes we can only make sense of it by saying, because God is good, there is good in this, you know, that makes this situation good because out of God, nothing but good comes. So it's sort of a, a starting point, I guess, when things don't make sense. That's something to hold on to. You know. It's like the very essence of something. Well, that's two excellent sermons. <laughs> that's what I love about these times. Anyone else willing without having prepared just to jump up and say, here's how God spoke to my heart? I'll say something. Um, when, I, when I started listening to you, I thought about when I was young, I was a sophomore in college, my dad passed away. Hmm. He was 61. He was my earthly father, but through him I saw my heavenly father. So when, as a young man, still young, um, when I think about that, I say, you know, I doubted God. I said, God, why'd you take my dad from me? I still had many years. And I said, you know, so you question God. So as an adult, you do the same thing. So um, he was, at that time, did not know it, but he was turning me into a man. He was taking, he was saying, it's your time. That's what happened, and that's what our earthly father does, but our heavenly father takes over. I was talking to Maureen Box just outside a little bit ago, and, and who also lost her mother recently, and it doesn't matter how old your parents are, how natural or unnatural it seems, it's painful. At 61, that's really young. That's tough. Um, and... So, and, and just imagine what the Hayes are going through, you know, having lost their son. That is completely, death is absolutely natural and unnatural all at the same time. I mean, look, Adam and Eve weren't created to die. 
And I think that's why oftentimes very godly men and women who are older struggle with death. They, they just fight against it, you know, because there's just this instinct we have to live. Some go peacefully, some don't. And it doesn't say anything about their relationship with the Lord. But, but what we can always say is God is sovereign. God is great and He is good. But we only say that by faith. We only say that by faith. And frankly, faith that God gives us. Thank Him for that faith. Apparently the spiritually minded are all on this side. <laughs> I want to give this guys, you guys one last chance. And, and then we'll, we'll uh, pray and see. All right. Lee Williford. Yep. meditating on this, this piece of scripture um, and it, it drew me to a time um, when I as a believer went through a very tough trial um, and through the process of sanctification which is a process I've been a believer for a large part of my life and as a young man it took a trial for me to understand the, the gospel truth of what mercy is and what it looks like I'm thankful on this side, many years removed from it, for that trial, for God seeing me through it, um, providing faith before it, through, through it, and after it, um, to learn what, what mercy truly is, and that His mercy was sufficient for me. And um, I, I pray that, that each of us would, would know that um, it may take a trial, or it may just take meditating on, on God's Word. Um, but I, I do pray that that truth will be known by each believer that God's mercy is good enough for you. Yeah, you know, it, it's thinking about how Jim started this off, it, it's almost some people, clearly this is not the case with Jim, and may we all learn, but some of us almost feel guilty if God does the good thing, especially when there are bad things going on all around us. And it's like, oh, well, that person's really trusting God because it's, it's, it, it's bad and they still trust the Lord. Look, don't feel guilty when God delivers you. Everything that He does good for us is a mercy. And praise His name when He delivers you from pain that you have suffered. Just know that all the time, God is good. God is good. And I love you guys just as much as I love you guys. And I'm just kidding. You know, I'm kidding. Father, we are overwhelmed with your goodness. And Lord, sometimes we just need to be together and say that and hear that. And that's one of the reasons you have said in your word, do not sin, do not make the mistake in failing to gather together. And to proclaim to one another the goodness of the Lord. To teach one another the word through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Lord, we thank you for the great privilege. We have learned every step of the way this day. In the music. <clears throat> in, the, in, in the comments made before those joined. And, 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 and the membership vows. And, and the prayer time. And. And, and Lord, over and over, 
We affirm together you are good. And when we walk out of here, we're going to be a little bit more inclined to, to believe that and to trust that than we were when we came in, possibly. We thank you for your beautiful design to draw us to yourself, to point us to your word, and to realize that in your word, Jesus gives us eternal life. Jesus said to the Pharisees, you search the scriptures and you think that just because you know the Bible, you have eternal life, but you've missed the whole point. They point to me. Jesus told them, may Jesus be exalted and lifted up in our hearts, in our eyes, and in our minds and in our lives this week is we confess that you were good. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Would you stand together, please? I wanted to give a testimony, but I thought I'd wait till now <laughs> when I got the stage. <laughs> and my secretary had a 19-year-old son committed suicide two weeks ago. A shock. He was her life. And I went to the funeral and the preacher didn't get, God is good, God is great. And I was so distressed. And then today I come here and I hear God's word. God is so good. God is so great. God is so good that we cannot comprehend it. He is so great that we cannot comprehend it. His ways are unsearchable. And his word tells us, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The word of God for the people of God. Thank you for listening to audio from Grace Community Church located in North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this audio content to share with others. But please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Grace Community Church, go to graceccnc.org.